Let's pray and uh, ask God for his help. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we pray now that as we look at your word that you'll help us to understand what it says. Give us the courage to change what we need to change. Give us the courage to not change what we shouldn't change. Help us to live uncompromisingly as your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, I got, uh, I got a phone call. It was from another Presbyterian minister, and uh, he wanted me to consider moving to a different church. Seemed like uh, an interesting proposal, but anyway, you may or may not be pleased to know that I, uh, I said no. <clears throat> I'm glad. Uh, a couple of days later, my mum came over, and uh, we were having dinner together, and I told her about the offer. And she said, oh, it sounds fantastic. sounds like a really good offer. Are you going to take it? And I said, oh, no, you know, I've got lots of responsibilities, too many things that I want to do here. And she used a very strange expression. She said, she said, oh, you're such a stick in the mud. It is a bit of a strange expression. I mean, a stick in the mud. In my mind, I pictured a stick like a branch of a tree in the mud. And I thought, what does that mean? So, uh, so the next day, I looked it up on the internet. Uh, apparently, it's got nothing to do with tree branches. A stick is not being used as a noun, it's not, not, not a stick. Uh, a stick is, is a verb, to stick, to, to stay in the mud. So a stick in the mud, P- picture a person who's in some mud, uh, someone is calling them, person, come out of that mud. Uh, but, but they're saying, no, I am sticking right here. I'm happy in my mud. I don't want to move anywhere. That's the picture. The expression, according to the internet, this is what my mother thinks of me, the expression refers to someone who doesn't want to change, someone who is unprogressive, dull, and unadventurous. <laughs> Someone who avoids new activities, ideas, or attitudes. Um, at one time, the Duke of Cambridge is reported to have said, any change at any time for any reason is to be deplored. He must have been a Presbyterian, uh, but that is your classical stick in the mud. Someone who is uninterested in change, even if that change would be good for them. I guess I have to admit that I am a bit of a stick in the mud. Uh, There is not much change in my life. I've been a Christian now for more than 25 years. I've been married for more than 22 years to the same person. I've been in the same job here for more than 16 years. Uh, I do like stability. I do like routine. I don't like change for change's sake. Um, For example, I don't get excited about every new bit of technology that comes along. Um, I, I don't normally carry a mobile phone. I don't have anything to do with Facebooks or Twitters or tweets or Instagrams or anything like that. I don't see, I don't see the attraction in any of it. Uh, I'd rather just stick here in my mud. Thank you very much. Um, as the poem says, come weal or woe, my status is quo. <clears throat> I suppose I am a bit of a stick in the mud, but I wonder, I wonder, is that always a bad thing? In the next chapter, in the next three chapters of Jeremiah, we follow Jeremiah's interactions with a man by the name of Zedekiah. And I reckon that both Jeremiah and Zedekiah, in their own ways, are stick-in-the-muds. Two stick-in-the-muds. But the really neat thing about this passage is that these two stick-in-the-muds, they end up sunk in the mud. Stick-in-the-muds, sunk in the mud. I thought it was really neat. Let's have a look. Zedekiah was king of Judah... Uh, But he was a puppet king. They put him in there because he was pathetic. He he was a wimp. Uh, He'd been appointed by the Babylonian Empire to be the king. 
Uh, the first thing we hear about Zedekiah and his officials is this. They did not pay attention to God's word. In other words, they may have heard God's word. They did hear God's word through Jeremiah, but they weren't willing to change to do what God says. They were stick in the muds. They would not change their lives in obedience to the word of God. Chapter 37 and verse 1. Jeremiah chapter 37 and verse 1. Have a look with me. 37.1. Zedekiah, son of Josiah, was made king of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He reigned in place of Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim. Neither he nor his attendants nor the people of the land paid any attention to the words the Lord had spoken through Jeremiah the prophet. Now, as we come to chapter 37, it's 588 BC. The Babylonian army has been besieging Jerusalem, surrounding Jerusalem, but just at this point, there's a pause in the siege. The Babylonian army have left Jerusalem because there's, um, there's a rumour that there's, they're going to be attacked by the Egyptian army. Verse 4, 37.4. Now, Jeremiah was free to come and go among the people, for he had not yet been put in prison. Pharaoh's army had marched out of Egypt, and when the Babylonians who were besieging Jerusalem heard the report about them, they withdrew from Jerusalem. The Babylonians withdraw, and the Jews go, Hooray! God's going to rescue us. This is fantastic. We're going to be liberated. They think God might rescue them, but Jeremiah has a message for Zedekiah. In fact, it's exactly the same message that he's had for all the kings since Josiah for the last 40 years. Jeremiah is also a stick in the mud. He will not change. He will not change his message no matter what. And so for the 50,000th time in the last 40 years, Jeremiah says the same thing. God's not going to rescue you. Babylon is going to defeat you and destroy the city. Verse 6. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Tell the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of me, Pharaoh's army, which has marched out to support you, will go back to its own land, to Egypt. Then the Babylonians will return and attack this city. They will capture it and burn it down. Now, during this pause in the siege, Jeremiah um, tries to head out to his hometown to deal with um, some property issues. We've actually already seen what happens, even though it was later on uh, that... Um, he, he was asked to invest in the local um, property market, and so even at this point, he's already investigating things. But while he's leaving the city, he's arrested. He's charged with desertion, and the officials put him in jail. Verse 11, 37, 11. After the Babylonian army had withdrawn from Jerusalem because of Pharaoh's army, Jeremiah started to leave the city to go to the territory of Benjamin to get his share of the property among the people there. But when he reached the Benjamin gate... The captain of the guard, whose name was Irijah, son of Shelemiah, the son of Hananiah, arrested him and said, You are deserting to the Babylonians. That's not true, Jeremiah said. I'm not deserting to the Babylonians. But Irijah would not listen to him. Instead, he arrested Jeremiah and brought him to the officials. They were angry with Jeremiah. This is their opportunity. Of course, they're angry because of what he's been preaching. They were angry with Jeremiah and had him beaten and imprisoned in the house of Jonathan the secretary, which they made into a prison. Jeremiah was put into a vaulted cell in a dungeon where he remained a long time. Now, eventually, Zedekiah sends for Jeremiah, but we'll see that he does it privately. He does it in secret. He's a bit scared to be seen with Jeremiah. Uh, he asks Jeremiah, is there any message from God? But Jeremiah, being a complete stick in the mud, just gives him the same message again. Babylon will defeat you. Verse 17. 
Then King Zedekiah sent for him and had him brought to the palace where he asked him privately, Is there any word from the Lord? Yes, Jeremiah replied, You will be handed over to the king of Babylon. Jeremiah then asks Zedekiah to to get him out of the prison that the officials have put him in. And uh, we'll see for the first time, something that we're going to see over and over again, Zedekiah does what people tell him. Zedekiah does what Jeremiah says. He helps him. Verse 18. Then Jeremiah said to King Zedekiah, What crime have I committed against you or your officials or this people that you've put me in prison? Where are your prophets now who prophesied to you the king of Babylon will not attack you or, or, or this land? But now, my lord, the king, please listen. Let, let, let me bring my petition before you. Do not send me back to the house of Jonathan, the secretary, or I will die there. King Zedekiah then gave orders for Jeremiah to be placed in the courtyard of the guard and given bread from the street of the bakers each day until all the bread in the city was gone. And so Jeremiah remained in the courtyard of the guard. Uh, the, officials, the officials soon get wind of what Zedekiah has done. They want to do away with Jeremiah. And now the king, again, does what he's told. He does what they say. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah ends up sunk in the mud. Pick it up in chapter 38 and verse 4. Chapter 38 and verse 4. Then the official said to the king, This man should be put to death. He is discouraging the soldiers who are left in this city, as well as all the people by the things he's saying to them. This man is not seeking the good of these people, but their ruin. He's in your hands, King Zedekiah answered. The king can do nothing to oppose you. So they took Jeremiah and put him into the cistern of Malkijah, the king's son, which was in the courtyard of the guard. They lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud, and Jeremiah sank down into the mud. So here's the picture. Jeremiah sunk in the mud. And why? Because he's such a stick in the mud about God's word. He won't change to please people he fears God more than he fears man and so he will not change the message king's the king is gutless and hopeless he doesn't have the guts to help Jeremiah but but a brave man called Ebed-Melech does Ebed-Melech is not even a Jewish man but yet he asks the king for permission to rescue Jeremiah and yet again Zedekiah does what he's told verse 7 but Ebed-Melech, a Cushite, an official in the royal palace, heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern. While the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate, Ebed-Melech went out of the palace and said to him, My lord the king, these men have acted wickedly in all they have done to Jeremiah the prophet. They have thrown him into a cistern where he will starve to death when there is no longer any bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Cushite, I'll Take thirty men from here with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies. So... Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went to a room under the treasury in the palace. He took some old rags and worn out clothes from there and let them down with ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. Ebed-Melech the Cushite said to Jeremiah, put these old rags and worn out clothes under your arms to pad the ropes. Jeremiah did so and they pulled him up with the ropes and lifted him out of the cistern and Jeremiah remained in the courtyard of the guard. Zedekiah calls Jeremiah in, he wants another secret meeting but Jeremiah knows This bloke is not going to change. I'm wasting my time. There is no point talking to him. He's not going to listen to God's word. He's not going to obey God's word. Chapter 38, verse 14. 38, 14. Then King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah the prophet and had him brought to the third entrance to the temple of the Lord. I'm going to ask you something, the king said to Jeremiah. Do not hide anything from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I give you an answer, will you not kill me? 
Even if I did give you counsel, you would not listen to me. Zedekiah won't listen. He won't change. He's too scared of what everybody else thinks to do what God says. But he's met his match in Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah won't change to please people. He fears God more than people. And so Jeremiah tells Zedekiah the same message again. Verse 17. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, This is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, says. If you surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, your life will be spared and this city will not be burned down. You and your family will live. But if you will not surrender to the officers of the king of Babylon, this city will be handed over to the Babylonians and they will burn it down. You yourself will not escape from their hands. King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I'm afraid of the Jews who've gone over to the Babylonians, for the Babylonians may hand me over to them and they'll mistreat me. It's at this point that Jeremiah makes, um, I mean, it's terrible, but it's, it's a lovely little play on their situations. Remember, where's Jeremiah been? He's just come from being sunk in the mud at the bottom of the well. But now Jeremiah says to Zedekiah, if you won't change... If you won't do what God says, if you be a stick in the mud about God's word, you'll end up sunk in the mud. All your so-called friends, they're not going to be any help to you. All these people who you're fearing more than God, they're not going to be able to help you. You are going to be sunk in the mud of the judgment of God. Verse 20. They will not hand you over. Jeremiah replied, Obey the Lord by doing what I tell you. Then it will go well with you and your life will be spared. But if you refuse to surrender, this is what the Lord has revealed to me. All the women left in the palace of the king of Judah will be brought out to the officials of the king of Babylon. Those women will say to you, They misled you and overcame you, those trusted friends of yours. Your feet are sunk in the mud. Your friends have deserted you. All your wives and children will be brought out to the Babylonians. You yourself will not escape from their hands, but will be captured by the king of Babylon, and this city will be burned down. Zedekiah has heard the message over and over again. And you know, I reckon Zedekiah believes the message, but he won't change. And so in the next chapter, it all happens. Babylon renews the siege, Jerusalem falls, and Zedekiah and his officials face the the shocking consequences of disobeying God. Chapter 39 and verse 4. 39-4. When Zedekiah, king of Judah, and all the soldiers saw them, that's the Babylonian army, they fled. They left the city at night by way of the king's garden through the gate between the two walls and headed toward the Arabah. But the Babylonian army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. They captured him and took him to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon at Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he pronounced sentence on him. There, at Riblah, the king of Babylon slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and also killed all the nobles of Judah. Then he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with bronze shackles to take him to Babylon. Babylonians set fire to the royal palace and the houses of the people and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Nebuzaradan, commander of the imperial guard, carried into exile to Babylon the people who remained in the city, along with those who had gone over to him and the rest of the people. 
Uh, it's hard to think of a worse fate than to have your children slaughtered before your eyes and then that's the last thing you see because your eyes are taken out. Zedekiah meets a terrible fate. Uh, but Jeremiah, God rescues Jeremiah, verse 11. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had given these orders about Jeremiah through Nebuzaradan, the commander of the imperial guard. Take him and look after him. Don't harm him, but do for him whatever he asks. So Nebuzaradan, the commander of the guard, Nebuchadnezzar, the chief, a chief officer, Nergal Sherezer, a high official, and all the other officers of the king of Babylon sent and had Jeremiah taken out of the courtyard of the guard. They turned him over to Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, to take him back to his home. And so he remained among his own people. Jeremiah was rescued. And also, do you remember Ebed-Melech, the, the Cushite guy who, who, rescued, who brought Jeremiah out of the well? Um, he also is rescued. Verse 15, 39, 15. While Jeremiah had been confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him. Go and tell Ebed-Melech the Cushite. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I'm about to fulfill my words against this city through disaster, not prosperity. At that time, they'll be fulfilled before your eyes, but I'll rescue you on that day, declares the Lord. You will not be handed over to those you fear. I will save you. You will not fall by the sword, but will escape with your life because you trust in me, declares the Lord. Okay, that's as far as we're going uh, this evening. Can, can you see what's here in these chapters? I mean, it's a terrible, awful, disgusting story, isn't it? Um, but, but there's a neat contrast, don't you reckon? A neat contrast between Jeremiah and Zedekiah. Uh, both of them... Stick in the muds. Jeremiah, because he wants to please God, he will not change the message. Zedekiah, because he wants to please people, will change everything except himself in the light of God's message. He won't change himself in the light of God's message. Two stick in the muds who both end up sunk in the mud. Jeremiah, temporarily, as he faces the anger of men. But Zedekiah, permanently, as he faces the anger of God. Well, at the start, we ask the question, is it a bad thing to be a stick in the mud? And I guess as we look at these chapters, the answer is, I mean, this is not the only answer that there is, it's not all there is to say, but the answer on the basis of these three chapters is, well, it depends. It depends on what kind of a stick in the mud you are. It depends on what you are willing to change. It depends on what you are not willing to change. And it depends also on, on where you're willing to be sunk in the mud. What consequences are you willing to face? If you think about it, Jesus himself was a stick in the mud. Like Jeremiah, Jesus insisted on obeying God. He, he, he set his face firmly towards Jerusalem, the scripture says. He wouldn't let anything change him from his course of obedience to God. He kept going even to being sunk in the mud of the cross. Until, like Ebed-Melech lifting Jeremiah out of the well, God lifted Jesus out of the mud of, of death and, and into eternal life. It is good to be a stick in the mud like Jeremiah or like Jesus. I would say that the Bible is perfectly clear on that, wouldn't you? It is good to be stubborn and unchanging in your commitment to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to be the kind of stick in the mud who will not tolerate any change to God's original apostolic message. I don't want to hear anything except the Bible. 
I'm not interested in what you've got to say unless it's from the Bible. And if you tell me it's outdated, and if you tell me it's out of fashion, and if you tell me it's not relevant anymore, too bad, I'm going to stick in the mud of the original apostolic message. It's good to be that kind of stick in the mud, isn't it? Or, or when people tell you there are lots of ways to God, we ought to be sticking the muds about it. No, no, no. We need to say there's only one God and Jesus is the one and only way to be right with God. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. I'm going to stick in the mud of Jesus alone being the saviour. Good to be that kind of stick in the mud. It's good to be the kind of stick in the mud who insists on obeying God. The kind of stick in the mud who insists on being sexually faithful, whether that be in singleness or in marriage. The kind of stick in the mud who insists on acting with integrity and transparency at work, even when everybody else is calling you a wowser or, or is giving you pressure. Or, you just will insist on being a, man, a person of integrity and a person of transparency no matter what. It's good to be the kind of stick in the mud who asks of technology, not just is it new and is it shiny, but will it help me to be godly? It's good to be the kind of stick in the mud who insists on talking about Jesus even when everybody wishes you would shut up. It's good to be that kind of stubborn stick in the mud who is uncompromising in your desire to please God. Friends, that, that kind of behaviour it may well get you sunk in the mud. Family or friends might think you're crazy. You might get left out of things. You might lose friendships. You might miss out on stuff. But being that kind of stick in the mud, even if it leaves you in, stuck in the mud of, of conflict or difficulty, even if it means that people get angry with you, friends, friends God is going to raise stick in the muds like that to life. Like he raised Jeremiah, like he raised Jesus. God will raise stick in the muds like that to life through the death of Jesus on the cross. People like that will never have to be sunk in the mud of God's final judgment. Friends, that's the kind of stick in the mud you want to be, stubbornly committed to pleasing God no matter what the consequences. And I've got to say, praise God, there are people sitting here in church this evening who are just like that. It's just the other day that a girl in our church was talking to me she is single, she would love to be married, and she's getting to the age where she feels like she's running out of time. Uh, recently, a man asked her out. She thought he was very cute and likeable, but she knows that he has no interest in Jesus. And so she told me, not in these words, but she told me that she has decided to stick in the mud of her singleness. A man in our church recently he was recently telling me about a job offer that he had. Uh, it meant a lot more money than he's currently getting. It meant a lot more prestige than he's currently getting. But it also meant more time at work, more travel away from his family and his ministry at church. And so he decided to stick in the mud of his current job. I've got to say, I praise God for sticking the muds like that. But then there's a kind of stick in the mud we don't want to be, isn't there? The uh, Zedekiah kind of stick in the mud the kind who will not change in the light of God's word the kind who's more concerned about their own comfort than about obeying God the kind who's more concerned about what other people think than what God thinks the kind who's so worried about sunk, being sunk in the mud of other people's disapproval that they forget God's judgment we don't want to be that kind of stick in the mud do we 
Well, my mum reckons I'm a stick in the mud. She's probably right. I have to admit that uh, it's more often got to do with being like Zedekiah than it is being like Jeremiah. I don't change the way that I know God wants me to. I reckon a big factor is laziness. I was just reading an article the other day about, um, you know, the, the seven deadly sins that the medieval church had. You know, the, the number one sin of the seven deadly sins is sloth, laziness. And as I read this article, I came to realise why there is so much that I don't do or do that is not pleasing to God just out of sheer laziness. I, I think also because I'm worried about what other, what other people will think. It stops me from changing to be the man God wants me to be or it makes me change things I shouldn't change. But, but hopefully at least some of my unwillingness to change comes down to a desire to be faithful to God and to my family and to my congregation. And hopefully I'm not always unwilling to change. Hopefully I am sometimes willing to change for the better. What about you? What about you? What kind of stick in the mud are you? What, what won't you change? Why not? Let's pray that we'll be uncompromising about living for Jesus until God finally lifts us up out of the mud of judgment and into eternal life. Let's pray. A gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for Jesus who committed himself to obey you even to death on a cross. We thank you that uh, you lifted him from the mud of sin and death and into eternal life and you've seated him at your right hand as our King. We thank you for his example and for the example of Jeremiah in being uncompromising about living for you. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we ourselves will be uncompromising about living for Jesus. We pray, Heavenly Father, that day will soon come when you will lift us up out of the mud of judgment and into eternal life. We pray it through Jesus, our Saviour and Lord.